Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. back once again to bread and circuses podcast i am rooster here with crow here Larry. how you doing crow it's uh you know it's the eve of the new year extremely excited yeah, so excited to stay up till midnight you think you'll make it yeah uh, i mean it's a hit or miss i don't know <laughs> i think it's a 50 50 proposition every year for me so this is a very important episode it's our last episode of 2022 Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's number 200. Can you believe we've done this 200 times? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we've done it about 202 times because there have been a couple times. I remember one specifically, uh, we recorded an episode, and right after we recorded it, you went to download it and you erased it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we had to turn right around and record it again. Yeah. I think we had a couple, couple of ruined episodes. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking specifically of the one that uh basically was recorded and erased. Yeah. About as quick as we'd done it. Yeah, that's so. fun. That's fun. And uh of course, since these aren't scripted, they're just all free form. This is all of that uh all that podcast gold was lost <laughs> for posterity. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So all right. Well, I wanted to start off with a very disturbing story from uh the quartering, Jeremy at the quartering YouTube channel. Okay. You know him, right? Yep. Um, he's one of these guys that I think is probably very much on the right, probably considers him to be slightly right, himself to be, um, but in his mind can tries to convince himself he's way more centrist. Yeah. And it's guys like this and Tim Pool that I just want to say, you know, you guys, you want to think you're that way, but the left has moved too far left. He's kind of a, like big, talk- a big man boy, though. He's I think his channel started out, he was a... Um, a magic the gathering podcast because that's yeah in the background of his uh yeah. podcast he's got all sorts of you know so what his Legos life and yeah. stuff like his that his life but... was magic the gathering and i guess he got kicked out of it because he was complaining that they had creepers you know creeping on kids and uh he oh. was calling them out oh that's my attack dog if you can hear him barking in the background um well you can probably hear mine barking in the background too but yeah uh, but uh, yeah, that, that's how he got started. So, he, but he's built himself a pretty good sized channel. And in fact, uh, when Steven Crowder got uh, kicked off the blaze the other day, um, Jeremy swooped in and set up his whole uh, mug club thing on the fly. Yeah, I so guess the, Crowder, the yeah, Crowder's, um, his, the servers he was using weren't strong, robust enough to keep up with the traffic of people trying to sign up and Jeremy helped out. Yeah, but he he got kicked off the blaze for whatever reason. I don't know, well, I don't know if he was kicked off, but they just didn't re re up the contract or something. Uh, who knows? But they decided either they decided or he decided or mutually decided that it wasn't something they wanted to do. And there must have been some bad feelings in the whole deal because they didn't kind of give him a chance to you know get prepared. So well, it sounded like Crowder was preparing to leave based on what. Uh what you know the blaze was asking him to do and then on top of that he they basically just said all right fine and go 
but they sort of pulled the plug in him in the last minute. But yeah. anyway, not the story I was wanting to get to. Just a little background on the quartering. You should check out his channel if you get a chance. Um, and sometime I'd actually love to interview the guy like we do with Matt Christensen. But uh, anyway, so this uh, – I know you're going to love this topic. But the whole trans thing is getting even farther out of hand because apparently now – Jeremy was the first one to report this that I've heard. There are – I can't even keep track if trans women or women who go to men or vice versa or whatever, but it's men transitioning to women, a la Dylan Mulvaney sort of thing, who are now simulating menstruation by basically taking frozen tomato sauce and jalapeno popsicles and shoving them up their asses. This, uh, come, this, again. Uh, yes. come, uh, come again. Come again. <laughs> Coming in. This is a story that has got to make the un- the Babylon Bee and the Onion type job so difficult. Yeah, because you Katie! you would <laughs> you would write this stuff as satire, you know, just like okay, how far can we take this thing? And then you find out that it's actually true. So Jeremy posted a video. Um, and I'm going to say of a guy, because I'm sorry, he's a guy, um, doing the whole thing where he's staying, staying there in a skirt and he's, uh, in his room and all of a sudden he's doubling over going, Oh, these menstrual cramps are so bad. Oh, you know, and he lays down and puts a heating blanket on his stomach and he's just walking around his room going, Oh, I don't know how I can deal with it. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm sorry. If you're a woman who supports this kind of stuff at this point, these men who are eliminating uh, spaces for women, um, who are basically trying to take over, you know, what women do in sports. Um, this is just, you can't put up with this as a woman. It, it does seem to me, can't, though. You can't, you, you can't deal with it. It does seem you to me, though, that a lot, a lot of these, these, these men that are trying to pretend to be women are being... Um, propped up by women. I mean, if it if it weren't for women, these men would not be doing what they're doing. You well, know? I still think like, it would be like all I the teachers and the mothers that do these videos, the TikToks and stuff, talking about how pro trans they are and how they're making their kids pro trans and turning their kids trans. You don't see a lot of the husbands or the men saying that. It's 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 the it's the women. So they've got to get their shit straight too, because these creeper men wouldn't get wouldn't get the traction in society that they're getting right now without women. You yeah. Know, going, going, not only just putting up with it, but actually uh, promulgating it, pushing it forward. So, yeah. So, I mean, just think about this for a minute. This is someone who's trying to take, um, their, and I'm going to call it a, um, uh, a mental disorder. They're taking their mental disorder so far that they're going to take, you know, basically what amounts to spaghetti sauce, freeze it in mini popsicles, and jam it up their butt so that they can claim they're menstruating. This is the party that believes in science. Well, you know? it's, a, it's, it's just an elaborate, you know, um, LARP. It, it, it's what, what, these, what these dudes are doing and these girls are doing. It's like, it's like a, 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 a fatal case of LARP. You know, it's like they just want to pretend to be something they aren't, and they just want to now make it permanent. 
for people who aren't complete nerds and haven't LARPed, uh, why don't you explain, since you have, what LARPing is? Since I've explained it in the past? Sure. I've done extensive research on the subject, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it is uh, from what I've read. It's people dressing up and acting like they're somebody else. So it's it's play acting with another group of people, and you you try to look the part and act the part. It's like a live um, live uh, play that you participate in. I guess. LARP stands for live action role playing. Yeah, so a lot of people and will it do. Is. It's, it's like, basically coordinated Halloween. Yeah, if you ever been to a Renaissance festival, there are certain people that you've seen that are way too into it. You know, like if you go to the Renaissance festival and they're just like they're not they're not paid to be there. They just show up and they got like the super you know expensive gear and and all the you know whatever and they're they're speaking in an accent. They're larping, speaking you know walking around pretending they're that person. Yeah, so, the people with the the women with the bustiers and the long dresses and the, the look, hair there's, hats. There's nothing wrong with that as a as a as a you know type of entertainment. It's more like if you're if you like to escape into watching fantasy movies or books or whatever, it's just a you know just another form of that. But you're actually participating. It's like uh, people that go play airsoft or paintball. A lot of those guys do the military simulation where they actually pretend they're in some sort of war campaign and they have objectives and, and they have call signs and all that. And they just all get all geared up and it kind of like, it feels like you're playing a video, you're like immersed in a VR video game, but it's real life. That's pretty much what I kind of look at it as. Well, this would be the equivalent, this, uh, this tomato sauce stuff would be the equivalent if uh, the um, Renaissance Fair people gave themselves the play <laughs> to feel full immersion. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a good, yeah. that's a good analogy. <laughs> if they just were like, well, it's just, I'm not feeling uh, renaissance enough, yeah. so uh, I'm going to have to get uh, I haven't been know, able to, la to lance any like boils that. yet, so. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, been able have to, to, uh, I haven't been able to use uh, leeches to bleed out my humors. Oh, I was just going to go with that one. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. You got me there. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this is disturbing. It, it, it's, it just... it's, uh, it's, it's depraved. I mean, it's okay. When people make fun of LARPing because it's nerdy, it's not, it's, it's nerdy, but it's the next step of LARPing is like the furries. If you heard, heard of them, they're the ones that dress up in the mascot costumes and they go yep. around and. And usually it degenerates into some private, uh, you know, uh, usually gay furry orgy session. And uh, so yeah. it's, it's depraved and it and it comes from a place of depravity and regular people that dress up and go to these fantasy things and try to pretend they're in fantasy times or or, or military simulations. They they do that and then they're done with it. They go home. It's it's a it's a it's a hobby, you know. And whereas with these, with this, what's going on right now, it's like you said, it's a mental illness paired with this just terminal narcissism that our society is fostering, you know? Well, I mean, look, if you want to be depraved as consenting adults behind closed doors, you go right ahead and do that. Um, but the idea that these people do this stuff and not only are we supposed to not say it's um, weird we're supposed to encourage and celebrate. celebrate. And you know what? I've been saying this for years now. I mean, ever since we started the podcast, what, four years ago? 
yeah. That, that's what I was talking about. I was like, this is not just about tolerance. That to- They do not know what the word tolerance, what it, the definition of it is, because they're not pushing for tolerance. They're pushing for celebration of and promotion of these these depraved uh, people and, and acts and and uh you know and it's not going to stop well if they were tolerant they'd just be like yeah well this is what i do and you yeah, can go but, do you but if they uh decide to have their their drag queen story hour um or at at some sort of gay club where they bring the kids on a field trip which is has happened more than once um you know well if you don't accept that you're not tolerant that's not what tolerant means so well I uh, I had a friend from high school who was a big supporter of this drag queen story hour stuff, and uh, he and I are no longer Facebook friends because I just said I I can't put up with this stuff. But um, you know, he said, "Oh, it's totally harmless." And this is a couple years ago when it first started, and uh, I said, "This is going to lead to bad places." And he's just like, "No, you're just paranoid and blah blah." blah. I mean, it's probably that. one of those that that says grooming is a slur against gay people. Yeah, one of those. I mean, all the tropes against, oh, you know, you uh, you conservatives and blah, blah, Yeah, you don't blah. have to be, by the way, you don't have to be gay to be a groomer. Just so happens that a lot of these gays are groomers. <laughs> yeah. But there's definitely so, straight dudes, too, and women. So then, um, you know, he said, oh, that's just paranoid. That whole slippery slope argument is stupid and, you know, pull your head out of the 1950s kind of stuff. And I said, nope, this is going to lead to the wrong kinds of people being around kids, which it did. Mm -hmm. Um, And now you've got uh, these grown men uh, gyrating in front of kids in women's uh, clothes. And now they've had ones the the lyrics to the songs they're singing are uh, not something I'd want my seven or eight or nine year old to be hearing, which in many cases they are. and now you've got one and they're doing very suggestive dances and all this. And now they've gone so far as to like, you know, sort of do strip teases with uh, fake with uh, prosthetic boobs and stuff like that. It's like this is getting out of hand, you know, yeah. you can't which if you as an adult and it's usually women want to go to the gay 90s club in Minneapolis or the saloon downtown Minneapolis and watch the um drag queen shows fine go ahead you're an adult you can make your own choices you know you want to see that over the top campy stuff okay everybody can handle their own entertainment in their own space to bring this to kids in schools and in libraries and stuff like that and not have enough people start fighting against it is just it's shocking to me well and we do like we i've said before we have to call it what it is at this point don't back down don't don't call people LGBTQIA plus community, all that. Don't do it. You know, if you got, if you know gay people, if you're talking about gay people, you, you call them what they are. You said, hey, he's gay. Um, and if that's a, your first descriptor of that person, that means that they're a narcissist and they want you to talk about them as if they're gay all the time. If that's the most important thing about them, then they're probably not people you want to associate with because my other friends don't talk to me, uh, talk about me, well, as if I had them, but I beat you to it. Um, don't talk about me as if, hey, my straight friend Crow, you know, it's like, you have different descriptors about people. It's not just based on who they're into sexually. So wait, are you coming out as straight on the podcast? <laughs> well, it's, it's fluid. You know, you can be whatever you want, whenever you want. 
right? Yeah, like my kid's teacher. But so, but you got to call it what it is. If you have a gay friend and it comes for some reason, you have to denote the fact that they're gay. Sure, don't lump them in with with the with the groomers and the freak shows and the trans. You don't lump them lump them in with the deviants, the sexual. I mean, they yeah, okay, sure, they're sexual deviants technically if you're gay, <laughs> but. But if you want to lump well, them in, you're, with, going, you're going a little farther than I would. If you want to lump them in, well, technically it's true. But if you want to, because they deviate for the norm. But if you want to lump them in together as a community, sure. But but say if you're going to associate yourselves as gays and lesbians with trans and all these other fucking weirdos, then you're going to be uh, associated with the deviant community. That's what we're going to call it, the degenerate deviant community. That's what you're you're lumping yourself in. If you want to disassociate with that, I'll do that. I won't lump you in with them. But as long as you're associated with them, you're part of that deviant community and uh, you get all the, uh, you know, the disdain and pushback that you deserve. So, yeah, I, I just don't understand how anybody thinks you can you can tolerate this kind of stuff around little kids and, and all that. And and I could at least accept an argument. I wouldn't agree with it, but I would accept the premise of the argument. If someone said, you know, I'm a man and I feel like I was a woman or whatever, but when they do this sort of stuff that's like, well, but it can change because I don't know what I am on any given day. It really is. That's about narcissism. That's about, uh, you know, pay attention to me. I'm, I'm something different every day. I can't be defined kind of stuff. It's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And you, and you're, and what they really want is the force people to acknowledge them and to celebrate them and to promote them. And that's, that's the, that's the biggest problem. Um, but it's the same with how I'm going to call, you know, the, the, the community, the deviant community, same with, um, people that consider themselves pro-choice. If they're going to, you know, um, rallies, these quote unquote pro-choice rallies, I'm not going to call them what they want me to call them. I'm going to call them pro pro baby murders or pro abortion. It's, it's not pro-choice. So shut the fuck up. I'm not going to call you the name you want to be called. You know? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people on the left waking up to this. Do you know, uh, do you know Tim Robbins, the actor? Yeah. Shawshank Redemption and Bull Durham and stuff. I mean, about Married to Susan hard. Sarandon, both very liberal. I think they're divorced at this okay, point. Okay, yeah. But extremely, known for being activists and extremely, extremely liberal. Yeah, she was a big uh, Bernie backer, and then when Bernie didn't get elected or didn't get chosen, she said, uh, you know, let's uh, let's just elect Trump and burn it all down kind of thing. Yeah. I saw an interview recently with, and I thought it was a Lex Friedman one, but now that I think about it, I don't, I don't think it is. It was a couple weeks ago. Um, I didn't save it for the podcast, but uh, Tim Robbins was being interviewed by someone about the whole COVID thing. And uh, he said, you know, I did the whole thing where I wore the mask and I basically isolated myself for seven months. And, um, you know, he went over to to England right around Brexit and was uh, was saying, um, you know, it's totally different over there. He goes, people aren't going along with this stuff and they're not just doing it like this. And he he started to realize that pretty soon everybody on the left who was saying science was uh, was wrong. He goes, because if you look at the science, it says, you know, that the masks don't help and the people who get sick and die are old and sick people, you know? And and he says, and, and what really tore it for him was when the mask stuff, you know, the mandates went away, 
And he goes, I was fully someone who was like, you've got to wear the mask and protect other people. He said, when someone was not wearing a mask, he goes, because the mandate's not in place and the science is saying you probably don't need to. Um, he goes, uh, I started to feel like, wait a second, this isn't about COVID anymore. This is about, you know, shaming people. And he goes, that's not the side we're supposed to be on. And then he even went so far with the vaccine to say, we're going to physically force people to have something injected to your, into their bodies. This is dystopian, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he said, you know, I started to see people I knew lose jobs in Hollywood because they weren't getting, weren't getting vaccinated. He goes, and the vaccine's not working. And, um, you know, it was just, it was really, really interesting to see somebody that far left sort of have the red pill moment. I still have no doubt that he's very far left, but he basically is someone who's like, I don't trust the government now. I just, I don't expect them to work in our best interests. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the party. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know? even Ben Shapiro did, did this after a while. He was like, we were lied to about faxes, you know, cause he was kind of towing the line. He didn't uh, make his people at his company take the vax, which is great. But he was doing a lot of kind of towing the line just so he could, you know, basically speak on YouTube and stuff like that. But he finally came out and said, you know, we were lied to and and uh, and, and I don't like it. And it's like everybody knew that we sh he should have known that, especially beforehand. So, well, I I don't mind people having an opinion that disagrees with mine if they are open to their opinions being changed. So. It's easy to sit here and say, you know, two years later, well, Ben Shapiro should have been on board. But okay, maybe he should have been, but he wasn't, and he had very good and well thought out reasons for why he wasn't. And I'll respect someone for disagreeing with me when they do it for reasons that are well thought out and not just like following the crowd kind of stuff. Um, but at least he came around and says, "No, this is ridiculous. This is terrible. We shouldn't do this." Hmm. You know. So I would rather see that than, you know, people who just say, nope, I know what I know and that's enough for me and uh, you're a bigot. I, I just Yeah, well, there's enough yeah. of these stories, too, of these people that were gloating about getting vaccines and how, um, you know, the, the anti-vax tards, you know, they're going to die a horrible death and they're keeling over from heart attacks some young. So, you know, schadenfreude, I guess. Well, Along the lines of people not being informed, uh, Barry Weiss, you know, she's one of the um, lefty journalists that Elon Musk is releasing all this stuff to. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, I think he's pretty brilliant in how he's doing this because Matt Taibbi, uh, again, not a righty, absolutely a lefty, but willing to question stuff um, and has in the past, for him to let him – uh, spill some of this stuff and then to go to Michael Schellenberger who is a different kind of reporter than Matt Taibbi and then Barry Weiss who is absolutely a different kind. He's not picking you know the Ben Shapiro's and all that stuff and in a way he's sort of saying to the left look these are your people that I'm giving this to mm -hmm. and um, anyway so Barry Weiss was back on Joe Rogan's podcast. She was on there once before when she left the New York Times. I think it was the New York Times she was on editorial board um, because it was too far left for her, which is amazing because she's pretty far left. So she came on um, to Rogan's podcast, and if you can find this clip, it's about six minutes long, and it's it is everything that's wrong with the left, the left media, um, or should we should just say the media at this point? Um, she was talking about 
um, you know, just the news and all this stuff. And Rogan mentions Tulsi Gabbard. And Barry Weiss goes, oh, she's a, she's a, um, a uh, Mossad toady. Okay. And he goes, what? And she's like, yeah, toady. For-. He goes, what do you mean? And she immediately goes, wait, am I using that word right? You know, she, oh, she suddenly backs down from yeah. what she says, and he goes, he's like, no, Tulsi's a friend of mine. Um, I think she has some good ideas. And Barry Weiss goes, really? You're kidding me. And I just want to go, okay, you're a reporter. It is, if you've watched any Joe Rogan for more than an hour, you know that he's friends with Tulsi Gabbard. Mm-hmm. He's had her on several times. Um Though he thinks they disagree on some things, he thinks she's a great perspective. So, like, there was one where he had Tulsi and Jocko on, um, Jocko Willink. Mm-hmm. And those two were talking about how, you know, they're like, look, we disagree on most things, but we get along great. You know, that's yeah. fine. So, if you're very wise, you have to know this. If you're going on Rogan's podcast, you, you have to at least know some of the things he believes. Yeah. And so, she goes on this whole thing about... Um, you know, well, no, she's a toady for, um, you know, the Syrian government and all this and blah. She went over and Rogan goes, yeah, she went over there. And she's like, yeah, she went over there when she was a congresswoman. And Rogan goes, yeah, a lot of people do that. You know, I mean, she was just, she expected him to go along with not what she knew, but what she had heard. And as Tim Poole says, and sort of many other people, Sticks Hexenhammer brings this up all the time, this sort of uh, sort of incestuous cabal of, of lefty media people use each other for sources all the time. And it just becomes a cyclical source of bullshit. Yep. And they, they don't get confronted by people who disagree with them. And when they do um, – I should say they don't get confronted very often. When they do, their first re- reaction is to say, oh, well, you're just a Nazi or you're a toady or something like that. Yeah. Yep. And they cannot they cannot stand up to people who disagree with them. And that's why when you get a chance to, you need to disagree with these people. You need to say, no, you're wrong. And, you know, fight back over it. Yep. Oh, dude, I just pulled up something on, on the inter- interwebs here. Um, a drag queen, quote unquote, gives birth in a bizarre, explicit performance during a family friendly drag queen Christmas event in Orlando, Florida. Children are in the audience and then they have a still and I can play the video and I can tell it's going to be explicitly disgusting. And then they've got behind the person on stage wearing this um, like latex bodysuit with a zipper in the crotch and looks like they're going to mm-hmm. pull something out of there and they have a big screen like on the stage showing a close up of the area and there's kids in the audience and you know this isn't grooming this isn't sexual um exploitive of children at all and then on the stage I'm seeing there's like a uh giant statue and like a nutcracker statue you know the guy in the, mm. in the suit and christmas trees so it's a you know, it's a, and, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer off to the side here. And, no, oh, it's just family-friendly. It's just, this isn't grooming, though. Shut up, you bigot. Well, I don't even know. I, I don't, grooming is like, uh, it's, it's a term it's, that gets de- thrown de- it's, so it's real. Like- it's desensitiz- desensitization of sexual themes to children so that they can right, be my- easier, so it's easier for adults to molest them. My point on the grooming thing is it's a it's a word like, 
remember when I was in college and everyone said existential all the time. So like you don't even know what that means. Yeah. But I mean, th- and, at uh, this point, I think it's, it's apt and they're trying to get people to stop saying it for a reason. Well, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I just think it gets used for too many things. Um, I don't know if this is quote unquote grooming or not. What I do know is it's fucked up and it shouldn't be involving kids. I think it's a textbook example of it because if you've got something called quote unquote family friendly, you bring children and you know, children are there and then you do these explicitly sexualized crazy things that you're trying to desensitize them to. That's this, that's the definition of it. Well, I don't know if having a baby is sexualized, but but the you know, the way they're going to go about it is, is is going to be obviously. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I think we can both sit here and argue the terms, but we we both know and agree that this shit shouldn't happen with kids. Yeah, it's disgusting. They sh- it shouldn't be there, and the parents who are letting their kids be exposed to this stuff, shame on you. You know. Yeah. Yep. So and not that these things should be hidden from kids. Well, there, you, know? you know what? Even even uh, there's. Did you hear Abercrombie and Fitch signed that uh, that uh, non-binary dude that uh, that uh, was on Doctor Phil with um, Matt Walsh? So the dude with the long hair and the beard, and and wears the makeup. And Matt Walsh was, you know, had a head to head with him and basically made him look like a fucking yeah, idiot. Yeah. Well, Abercrombie Am- yeah. and Fitch, which is a clothing company that caters to you know, teenagers or preteens at this point. Um, I remember that if you'd walk down the mall, if you ever went to the mall and you'd go by an Abercrombie and Fitch store, it always had these large poster boards of, of young, uh, men, young under, you know, under 18. It looked like girls and guys in these provocative black and white kind of sexualized uh, poses, you know, like yeah. lifting up their shirts and stuff like that. And uh, it was like, if I had a daughter or son walking by this, I'd be pretty fucking irritated. So anyways, that's what they're known for. So now they've signed on this guy and they, I'm looking at a a picture of one of their ads and it's him kneeling, wearing uh, a bra and panties uh, with his arms up in this like, you know, Vino de Milis pose. Uh, And it says non-binary people are divine, unique, valid, loving, worthy, brilliant, creative, beautiful, historical, innovative, family friends community so they're saying hey if you don't if you don't as a group think that non-binary people quote unquote are unique valid loving brilliant creative beautiful then then you are a bigot it's like do you really think they're all that way do you really think they're beautiful you have a you have a banana shoved in his mouth in this picture too i mean the, the picture i pulled up they actually have it's from uh um what is it from uh rumble they've got like a like a blur over the crotch area, which I'm very glad. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have this no, stuck just, in my mind. You know what, though? I'm fully in support of this stuff. You do it, Abercrombie and Fitch. You do it, and you see what happens. And, you know, when people just stop buying your stuff, because you go woke, you go broke. It, it happens over and over again. So, you know what? Just let them be stupid. Um, that brand was Netflix, that brand was Netflix dying and anyway. Disney still doubled down on woke bullshit to this day. They're not broke. You know, well, but they've been going on for too long being able to get away with this shit. That's my problem. Well, I don't know about Netflix, but you can say Disney's not. Disney's stock is way down. It does not uh, return a dividend anymore. Um, the parks are uh, having to raise admission to a point because the parks are their main source of income. Uh, to a point that most people can't attend them anymore. There are people saying, look, we're we're going to the park and a lot of the rides aren't working. Um, the park's starting to look dirty. 
you know, I, I think we're seeing Disney in the middle of this and, you know, their whole, uh, they brought back Bob Iger because they fired their last CEO. So I don't think all is well with Disney. Um, are they broke? No, but you know, uh, look at Elon Musk since he bought uh, Twitter, he's lost something like $60 billion worth of net worth. Is he broke? Absolutely not. But he lost a shit ton of money. Um, yeah. you know, so, well, and didn't, didn't he just, he's not broke. Disney's not broke, but Disney has felt, um, uh, they've felt the financial pain of their decisions. Well, I wish they'd learn from it at least. That's, that's where it's like, they're, they're riding it all the way down to the end, I guess. But, well, um, I think that's why they brought Bob Iger back, who I don't think is necessarily conservative, but I think they, the board of directors looked at him at least as like, here's a guy who's like business first and can kind of steer us through this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. Lo I do want Elon to succeed with Twitter because he, he's admitted many times. He's like, this company is, is on the fast track to bankruptcy. He goes, there's things I have to do to turn this around quickly. And, uh, um, one of it was the charging, you know, the fee for the check mark and all that kind of stuff. And that was good. I think, you know, um, I want him to succeed. So uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah. You know, he has a new policy that, uh, it's a, there, he just announced the new policy that, that their official policy that they will not penalize users for legitimately questioning scientific claims and narratives that are promoted in the media. So you know, even if you don't think you're, he's not conservative enough and blah, blah, blah. It's like, he's doing, he's doing way better than most people would be able to do in this situation. Well, I also think a lot of people on the right need to be stop be such goddamn gatekeepers over everything. Yeah. You know, it's like this, this guy is not, he's not a true conservative. Why? Why do you say that? Well, because he did this one thing, right? But does he agree with you on nine out of 10 other things? Yeah. You know, it's, it, we do this whole thing about, um, you know, as much as as much as I find abortion abhorrent, if someone agreed with me on every other political and economic principle, but was pro-life, I would have a hard time saying they weren't conservative. You know what I mean? On the whole, um, even though that one issue was such a hot button for me. You mean? Um, oh, you mean if they're you said pro-life? Mean pro pro baby? Pro-choice. Sorry. Okay. So. We have to stop this idea that people have to, because the left's been doing this forever, that you have to be 100% on one side. You know, we can disagree on things. It's okay. You know, um, but the right has got to stop being, and not just even gatekeepers, but selective gatekeepers. Donald Trump is not a conservative, uh, other than financially. Yeah. I mean, he's socially, all that stuff, like I've said. Uh, he, about half of his platform fits the conservative stuff. But, you know, you get all these conservatives who would throw somebody out of their party for disagreeing with them on one thing to take the rock star guy who disagrees with them on many things, but just doesn't want to talk about it. I, yeah, you know I think I mean? some of it might be a little bit uh, hypocritical at this point. But, I mean, if you do have certain lines in the sand, that it's okay, too. I mean, if you're like a Christian conservative that's a, that, that that says and believes that abortion is baby murder, and that's your line in the sand, and you, if you want to associate and if you want to give money to a campaign that that doesn't explicitly say that or, or doesn't side with you on that, I'm okay with that. No, I am too. You can have your one or two issues like that. For me, I I absolutely will not consider you a conservative if you are pro gun control. Yeah, I won't do it. 
I don't care if we agree on everything else. Is that uh, does that fly in the face logically of what I just stated? Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah. Everybody's got. I admit. I admit that. Everybody's got their one or two issues. What I'm saying is, if you've got one or two that absolutely are the defining things for you, I understand. But you get too many people who throw people out off of their side for disagreeing on, you know, one or two little things that don't matter, you know. Yeah. So I like uh, a great example of this is this uh, is it George Santos, the guy who got elected in uh, in um, New York as a congressman. Ooh, I can't remember. Lied about his I mean, lied about where he worked and his family background. I mean, he said his family was like Jewish immigrants who survived the Holocaust and he worked at Goldman Sachs. And all of it's a lie. All of it. Yeah. And he got he got elected. Um, and now the left is just screeching about how the right has to get rid of this guy because, uh, you know, he's he's terrible. But they're going after Kevin McCarthy because they're saying McCarthy is going to keep him in because he's, uh, um, you know, he needs the votes to be speaker. Um, and it makes me think a few things. One, it's never as cut and dry as people want it to be. And I'm not making a case for this guy. Um, but... The, the beauty of the House of Representatives is, you know, if you think this guy lied to you and he's full of shit, then two years from now, he will not be able to be elected again. They've already said, GOP party said they won't endorse him. They said they, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy's talked about not putting him on any committees. Uh, I mean, he's been elected. I don't know how you get rid of him, you know? Yeah. Um, you basically can't. So... I mean, they're saying, well, McCarthy should tell him. McCarthy's not the speaker. You know, he can't do anything yet. Yeah. Um, so people say, oh, you should do this, you should do that. I, okay, if you want to take that to the extreme, how about Richard Blumenthal, the senator from, I think it's Connecticut, or Massachusetts, I think one of those two, who basically lied and said, yeah, when I was in Vietnam. He was never in Vietnam. Let's toss him out. Let's toss Joe Biden out for uh, telling uh, – Five lies in 15 seconds in the 1984 campaign, that speech about where he graduated in his right. class and his honors. All those are lies. If we're going to do that stuff, okay, cool. Let's do it. Let's go all out. But they're saying the the Republicans don't want to throw this piece of shit out because he's uh, he lied and they need him. Well, how is that any different than any of you? Yeah. So if we're going to do that, by all means, let's do it. But we got to do it all. Yep. You know? So they're just as selective as everybody else. So, um, so speaking of politicians, the other thing I wanted to get to: if you have not seen Rand Paul questioning Christopher Ray in Congress in the Senate hearings, you have to watch that. Okay, um, I wonder if I have. So there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on the FBI lately because people on both sides are starting to say, "Hey, wait a second, what the hell is the FBI doing here?" Um, that, you know, they're out of control. And uh, now part of this in the Twitter files is being um, misrepresented, I think, by people on the right. They're saying, you know, the FBI is paying informants with uh, taxpayer money. And, you know, within Twitter, the FBI has always done stuff like that. They pay informants all the time. They have a budget for that kind of thing. It's, it's nothing new. Um, so don't get distracted by that. Get distracted by the fact that they had one of their former lawyers – you know, in there. And I'm not saying he necessarily gave them, uh, 
information or worked in the FBI's best interest, but it would hard it would be hard to believe he didn't. Yeah. I can't prove it, but you know, let's just say that's something that should have been a conflict of interest there. Anyway, uh, Rand Paul is questioning Christopher Ray and he's saying, Did you coerce um, Facebook to give you information or Facebook, Twitter, all this? Go to them basically and say, hey, we need some information on user data. Um, and Rand Paul said, if they gave you that freely, that breaks the law, right? Mm-hmm. Because people who get who use these services are guaranteed by the First Amendment some right of privacy. To the, This is, by the way, the same argument the left tries to make about the abortion thing. That it basically comes down to privacy. Yeah. So they conveniently forget that. Anyway, so he said it is against the law for them to voluntarily voluntarily give them that you that information that they believe to be private. Um, and again, Rand Paul explains this better than I do. And Chris Ferre goes, "Well, you know, I'm not aware." And Rand Paul goes, "Does that mean you're going to check and get back to us on that, or does that mean you're just saying that here?" And he says, well, I'll have to check and get back to you. And he goes, are you going to do that then? Or are you just going to say you're going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, he says, well, I'm, you know, I will assure you that we follow the law. And Rand Paul goes, well, no, 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 you can't keep saying that. He goes, you have to stop saying that because you can say you follow the law. But if this happened, you are not following the law. He goes, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is, uh, is you know, are you being honest with us or are you – you know, trying to pull the wool over our eyes, and you're breaking the law. And he, he he says again, "No, I assure you, we're following law." He goes, "No, you can't. You can't say that. You can't just say it." They've, yeah, they've been getting away with that kind of stuff for far too long. Like, like uh, I'll get back to you, or you know, I'm unaware of this, but uh, you know, we'll 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 look into it and get back to you. That kind of stuff. Well, They're supposed to like have the answers. Rand, one thing I like about Rand Paul that I detest about all of these hearings on both sides is they get five minutes to talk and ask questions and they spend three minutes of it pontificating on stuff. Ask your fucking questions and move on, you know, because what they do is they talk for four minutes and then they say, I have a question for you. Yes or no. And when the person says, well, that's not a yes or no question. They like, uh, like, uh, Rashida Tlaib will start yelling in the mic, reclaiming my time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like you're a child. You or, don't have an understanding of how this works. Did you see the the video? I can't remember which 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 person was questioning um, this giant haired uh, activist about um, about what they're going to do with the oil industry because she wants to stop all petroleum and blah blah blah. And he goes, "What are you going to do about all the petroleum products? Tell me what you're what you're what you're going to do about that." What, what? So basically, he was just mocking her and saying, "You have no answers. You're like a child." And she would try to interject with something. And he would talk over her because, you know, he says, hey, I have a limited time here. I need some answers and whatever. And then at the end uh, uh, of, the, of the hearing, uh, AOC is on, you know, going, how dare he? How dare he speak to her like that? That's, you know, that's decorum and blah, blah, blah. And no raising your voice. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's how you got in by, by emotional pleas and, and being emo- overly emotional and not using your, you know, not using your inside voice. <laughs> Did, did I tell you the little climate change argument I had with a buddy of mine? Um, uh, I think you started to, but I was I was in the middle of dinner, so I had to had to. Okay, so cut it this off. This is an example of you know what 
where I think we you need to confront people with facts, not your feelings, which means as a person who's going to confront people on this stuff, you have to have done your research. And one of the guys, I, you know, some college buddies and I, we got together and one of the guys just sort of out of the blue throws out this thing about, yeah, well, we got to, you know, take care of this carbon thing because they say by 2040, it's irreversible and blah, blah, blah. And I said, based on what? And he goes, well, you know, the, the, you know, oceanography or whatever they say, all this, he gave me some, gave me something. And I said, how about this? I would just like you to tell me the one climate prediction that has come true. Just one. Yep. Give me one. And my one of my other buddies, who's very far left, bought a Tesla because he believes that makes him so uh, so environmental. You know, let's uh, let's not get into how uh, cobalt and lithium are mined. And that electricity you know? is produced by coal. Yeah, I know. So he goes, uh, and you know, electricity comes. And not to get too far in the weeds of this, electricity is based on demand. You know, you need to be able to adapt your demand, and you can't do that with green energy because it comes when it comes. Unless it's nuclear. You know? <laughs> yeah, but that's not green, you know. Yeah. So, oh, and that was the other thing. I said, what about nuclear? Why do we never talk about this? And they go, oh, well, the waste. And I said, do you know that waste is one-tenth of what it used to be? That yeah. the way they do this, they actually reuse the waste now? And even my conservative buddies go, that's true? I said, do you remember that whole – when George Bush was president, that Yucca Mountain thing they were going to do in Nevada to store all that waste, I said, that didn't happen because they don't need to do it anymore. I said, nuclear waste, most of it is consumed uh, in the reprocessing and reuse of these plants. I said, there is very little nuclear waste, yep. certainly way less than any other form, you know. And they, they all look at me and go, really? Is that true? I'm like, oh, my God. If you're going to talk about this stuff, at least know what you're saying. But anyway, I digress. So uh, we were talking about – I said, just give me one example. And the other guy jumps in. And he says, well, I'd like – he goes, for every expert you can come up with, he goes, I can come up with just as many to tell you the opposite. I said, I, I assume that's true. However, I'm not citing experts here. I'm just asking you the question. Give me one, one prediction they said would come true that did. I said, I, and uh, they said, wow, you know, all this carbon in the atmosphere. I, I said, I'm still waiting. And they wouldn't give it to me. And yeah. they said, well, we have to get on this green energy thing. And I said, I followed up and said, all right, I still want to note that you refused to answer my question. Um, and I said, secondly, what are you going to do with all the gas? You know, all the um, gasoline that we, we have if we're not burning it in cars and things like that. And they're like, well, we're going to get rid of it. I said, are you going to get rid of petroleum products? Are you going to be not refining oil like for plastics and things like that? I mean, all the things we need oil for. And they're like, well, no, not that. I said, do you realize that the byproduct of refining oil is gasoline? Yeah, and necessarily, if they figure out how to ban uh, vehicles from using uh, gasoline, then the cost of every other product that you know is created with the byproduct of that is going to going to skyrocket necessarily. But my point is, these people agree that you can't get away from petroleum products. They're hoping that you can limit them. I understand that, but you can't get away from them. They understand when you explain it to them that gas, gasoline, is a byproduct of refining oil 
and we used to not know what to do with it, you know, until I think it was the Rockefellers came along and figured out how to make it cheap for everybody. We used to just burn it off. We just yeah. burned it. That's the only way you can get rid of it. You can't break it down or anything like that. It's, it is a waste product of refining oil, which they understand and agree that we need. And I said, so what are you going to do with it? And the heads immediately go in the sand. Yeah. They're like, well, we just got to get away from it. It's like, I've just explained to you, and you've agreed with me, how you cannot get away from it. So what is your fucking answer? Because they've, it's been pounded over their heads by by institutions and, and media and education media over their heads, just like the anti-nuclear stuff. It's It's been, they just accept it because they hear it nonstop. And it's just like, it's an accepted fact to them. They don't have to know but the truth beyond, because yeah, a rooster, everybody knows, you know. But it's beyond, it's beyond it being pounded into their heads. These are people, you're stepping outside of what's been pounded in their heads and say, Look, if you touch these two wires, something will explode. I don't care how much someone told you touching the two wires is important. You know that the explosion is bad, okay? And they're like, yeah, I know. We don't want things exploding. But they tell us we're supposed to touch the two wires. And you say, you touch the two wires? You want the explosion? And they go, no. And you say, so what is your answer? And they go, look, we just got to find an answer. I mean, that's that's the logical argument in their head. And I'm like, you cannot get away from certain realities as results of certain choices. So what are you going to do? Yep. And they're they're basically doing what Biden did when they asked him about oil and fossil fuels. When he goes, look, we'll we'll work it out. Yeah. What do you mean you'll work it? We'll just work it out. Okay. You know. Yeah. The same as the healthcare, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. You, you know, read the bill or we'll pass the bill and then you can read the bill. You know, it's, it's like, they, they don't have an answer. They don't think they need to have an answer. They just say, it'll, it'll, it'll figure, it'll work itself out somehow. So. Yeah. That's why you have to call these people on their bullshit. Yep. So. Anyway, right. well, we're coming up on time here. Do you have anything else? Well, I mean, do a little year in review. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what was the most important thing that happened this year? Uh, I hate to say this. I really hate this question because I'm going to give you the most cliched answer. But honestly, God, I can't. I can't think of something else. Um, the most significant thing for me this year was elon musk buying twitter just because of everything that's happened because of it yeah i mean to to be able to prove that what we knew was happening was happening um to be able to give a voice to people um you know who who have been shut down and people who've said look what's ha what that our fundamental freedoms are being eroded and you're accepting it yeah. and people are going no 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 that's not happening you know yeah um, and then maybe, you know, maybe the other two things I would put in there were the Supreme Court decisions that, uh, you know, uh, kicked abortion back to the states, didn't take away abortion, just kicked it back yeah. to the states. If you don't like it in your state, then fucking move. Yep. It's that simple. Yep. Um, and I, I know it's not easy for people to just move, but the point is you're allowed to do that. Right. Um, as as opposed to it being just nationwide. And uh, also the Supreme Court's, I can't remember the the case, but the, basically the couple times they reaffirmed 
um, gun rights. You know, your right to have a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I so. guess my the most like significant, um, meaningful, impactful event of of last year probably in everybody's mind, not just mine, would be the marriage of Crow to Songbird, probably. Yeah, I know. I knew you were going to do that as soon as you started saying it. I could tell. I've known you long <laughs> enough to see that's what was coming. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, as soon as you said, I was like, is he going to go there? And then as soon as you said, in everyone's mind, I'm like, yep, he's going there. Yeah, yeah. It's bigger than, bigger than Harry and what's her name? Mar- Meghan Markle getting married. So more significant. Yeah. So. Oh my God, she's a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. So. Well, so is he. I feel bad for that. How long do you think it's going to be before they get divorced and uh, <laughs> and people are interviewing him and he's just like, yeah, I should have seen this coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, he seems, like, he seems like a disaster too, though. So I don't know. I think within five years they're uh, divorced and he's just like, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, that's... That's what I think. Yep. I think he's going to be like, you robbed me of the last year or two with my grandmother. And yeah, you know, you had me convinced that, you know, I was the bad guy. I yeah. guarantee it happens. <laughs> well, that's enough talk of that shit. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. All right. Well, happy new year, everybody. And, uh, as usual, the best way to interact with us is, uh, is on Facebook. Um, just through, uh, the page itself you can send me private messages but it's probably easier to to do it on the uh, on the page uh, if you can like comment share all that stuff if you feel like we've earned it and uh also if you're interested in being on the show you can contact me and if we can make that work out we'd love to have listeners on yeah that would be uh, cool so happy new year happy new year see you bye